0: Your business is an asset that can support a thriving life. I believe this, and I'm committed to making this a reality for every entrepreneur and business owner who listens to this podcast. The Women Thriving in Business podcast was created with you in mind, whether you are thinking about entrepreneurship or you're a business veteran. This podcast has inspiration, information, and advice you can use to thrive in business. Women Thriving in Business features candid, unscripted conversations with entrepreneurs, business experts, authors, and academics who will contribute to your business success. I seek out and talk with business leaders who have built, grown, and thrived in business. My name is Nikki Rogers, transformation coach, author, and the host of Women Thriving in Business podcast. I work with women entrepreneurs to develop the mindset, strategies, and connections necessary to thrive in business. Join me and your fellow thrivers each week on this journey of discovery and success. Hello, Thrivers, and welcome to this week's episode of Women Thriving in Business podcast. So excited to share with you my conversation with this week's guest, Malika Jacobs, who is the founder and CEO of Kingmakers. Malika and I talked about so many different things, but key to those was the discussion about the importance of investing in the right team, how you can respond to customer and market needs in a way that is aligned with your company vision, and really the art of the pivot, how she was able to turn a challenge into an opportunity. And all of these things led into a really robust discussion about how you build a company's culture and the importance of building and infusing trust as you create that culture that you want to see in your business. Malika Jacobs founded Kingmakers, which is a company offering virtual team bonding experiences for business leaders who understand the value of investing in radical employee care. Malika transformed her vision of a board game parlor into a company that facilitates joy and connection for team bonding and employee engagement via board games in a virtual environment. Highly adaptable and naturally curious about designing high-functioning workplaces where employees love to work, Malika is proud of the team that she's built and the vibrant vision they have brought to life. Malika understands that businesses thrive when their employees flourish and collaborate with ease. And through Kingmakers, Malika fully embodies the sentiment that teamwork makes the dream work. So, listen in to our great conversation today about all things related to creating a great business culture. Let's go. Welcome, Thrivers, to this week's episode of Women Thriving in Business podcast. My guest today is founder and CEO of
1: Kingmakers, Malika Jacobs. So Malika, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Nikki. I'm excited to be here. Thanks everyone for tuning in. So Malika, tell us all
0: about Kingmakers and then what led you to start your entrepreneurial journey?
1: Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. So Kingmakers today is very different than what it was when I started my entrepreneurial journey with this same company. So I'll start with where we are today. Today, we are a team bonding company, and we work with companies who are remote and virtual, sometimes hybrid, and we offer them interactive facilitation-based board game play experiences on Zoom that facilitate and foster joy, connection, laughter, belonging, all the things that we want with an engaged team culture and company culture. So that is what we help facilitate today. And it does spawn from where we started, which was as an in-person model for that same team bonding experience. And of course, like everyone else, we sort of had to think fast on our feet when things changed a couple years ago. So we're really curious about how we could adapt and get at the core of what we do and still offer that with everything that has changed in the workplace today. And so that version, it's sort of Kingmakers 2.0. And it's the extension of my entrepreneurial journey, since that's probably the biggest lesson is just to keep going day by day and just keep putting one foot forward, because you can't sort of get off track in that vision of just creating something new and important for what people need out there today.
0: So, thank you for sharing that, Malika. And can we go back to when you started Kingmakers? So, you alluded to this pivot. Can you talk to us about why you originally created Kingmakers and what your original vision was for it versus, again, how you've evolved to now?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. So, I've always been really fascinated with teams and what makes good teams function and really what keeps people at a company, what makes them believe in what they're doing and stay excited about what they're doing and what keeps people at an organization and contributing their talents and skills. That's always been something that's really fascinated me. So that is actually the vantage points sort or of the approach that I had with Kingmakers in the beginning. We were a board game parlor, but I didn't really approach it as a board gamer per se. I approached it as someone who had seen the model and it was modeled originally after a concept in Toronto. And it's really a service model sector that was the industry we were in as a service industry place. And I had a lot of background in that. I'd been in the service sector for years, kind of coming through my teens and 20s as sort of side jobs and summer jobs, and was really curious about what kept people at high functioning small businesses And I'd done a lot of work also in DC with a lot of founders who had a lot of ideas for really positive change in the world, but had a really hard time galvanizing and keeping people motivated around that concept or keeping a solid team together for their vision. So that's the background of my 20s. I was just really curious about how workplaces functioned. And so when I saw this concept, I had gone to business school and I was really curious Stayed curious about it, picked up itch for entrepreneurship and business school and was really curious about starting my own space. And when I saw this concept in Toronto, it really resonated. And I felt like it'd be really a great addition to the Columbus community. And so opened it. And I really approached it as how do I really hire the best team? And so we hired a job manager who really was a board game expert and had a lot of service experience. And we hired managers and we played around with different pay structures and ways to keep people engaged that way. So I think a lot of experimenting around how a service model job could be different. And that was how we came across We didn't intend to open as team bonding experience per se, but people immediately started asking us if they could bring their teams in for private experiences. And so that's the other really cool thing. If you can motivate a team around just staying really innovative and curious and open to whatever sort of... You don't know right when you open a concept and put it out there in the world how people are going to utilize that concept. So right away, we were thrown into figuring out another version of our business. I think that's the really cool thing too, is just getting people excited about keeping new and fresh and different and always getting better at what we do. So by the time 2020 came around, March of 2020, we had been at this for six years. We had opened a second location in Indianapolis, Indiana. We were also hosting companies and teams during the day there for experiences, had recently made a couple of hires to really rocket our team bonding experience in the corporate daytime business. So just really curious about hiring the best people and how to keep motivated motivating those people to stick around. So that's really what led to me starting Kingmakers. And it's just interesting that today we help companies do that and to really think about how to make their people feel connected to what the company culture is all about.
0: I mean, you said a lot there. So I think... You
1: know. <laughs> I thought really um, fast, Nikki. I'm sorry.
0: No, no, no. This is great. So <laughs> Just yeah. back the onion on a couple of those things, you talked about hiring really great people, right? So often small businesses, they don't give themselves the advantage of hiring the best because they're thinking maybe about where they are right now versus where they want to go. So when you were talking about you were opening a gaming parlor, but you really leaned in to get experts In gaming, you lean in to get people who are experts in the service and hospitality industry in order to really be expansive about where you wanted the future of the organization to be. So I think that's a great lesson for any entrepreneur. And in that, because you had these really great people, you were able to evolve. Your first evolution, your first pivot was serving corporate clients. And then your second pivot was, oh, now we got to take this experience that is inherently very much driven by being in person. You're playing a board game, right? How do you translate that into the virtual world? And so that was what was really fascinating when we first talked, because I love board games. And when you said you do this virtually, I was like, how do you do that (laughs) so When you think back to that time, again, as you were starting off, I'm sure a lot of this was intentional, but what part of this was you just were doing what you thought was best without necessarily your whole entire plan laid out?
1: No, that's a great point, Nikita. Also, I think just the observation that for a lot of small businesses, especially for solopreneurs, when you're truly getting started, it's really hard to think about your people as an investment that way, because they're often the most expensive line item on a P&L. So if you're renting space, maybe that's more expensive. But other than that, really, your people are your biggest cost. But I think I've always thought about it a bit differently is that they're also your biggest investment. And I think that is where I've always invested and also where we've always been different. We've always had like you said, top-notch people, maybe in a space where you don't think about it that way. You think about the founder or the CEO being the driver, the person that wears all the hats, the person that does all the things, the person that's there twenty-four-seven, the person that is responsible for everything. And I think I've always taken a bit of a different approach that Yes, it's the CEO or founder's responsibility to lead and to set that vision. But really, you should hire and enable good people. And I think a lot of people as businesses grow, or even sometimes in the software startup space, people do hire really great people. They get great talent off the bat, but they're not able to step aside and let those people really take on leadership roles themselves. And so I think that is a really different aspect of the culture we've always cultivated at Kingmakers. People have always felt really connected to the greater purpose admission mission of what we're doing, but then also just felt really empowered to be themselves, to make decisions, to take ownership and really connected to their colleagues in that way too. So there's a lot of trust within our organization. And so I think all of that, if I can point to sort of my job as the founder or CEO is to really enable all those things to happen, right? To create that environment that enables people to do their work and show up and feel good about it and feel like it's part of something that is important in the community and that they are connected to one another when they're working. That part of it was really intentional. Of course, I would say to answer your question, I think that it's intentional that for me that we be innovative and curious and not beholden to ideas that we have about who we are and how we should be operating. And so I think that part is intentional. But did I ever really think that, oh, first, this model would be a team bonding concept or an employee engagement concept? Like, no, that was just the intentionality is in being open to it and not being stuck and making what I thought I wrote down on paper work at all costs, <laughs> just being like, okay, that really isn't what is needed right now, or that's not really where the best place for the business to grow is. And then I think similarly, that's the vantage point of where we were in 2020, because I think it could have been very easy for us to say, either take you know, grief approach, which is like, hey, we built this for six, seven years. It was made to be this. How could this be taken away from us? We just be really angry or sad or grief stricken about that, which there was a lot of that emotion. And I think the other thing is to sort of be stubborn or hard headed about continuing that, even though that wasn't relevant in the moment. It just wasn't going to, it wasn't the reality. And so I think the fact that we abandoned that idea of who we were. And we were willing to give that up so quickly, like keep the core of all those things. The team is really important. We care about each other. We care about being impactful in our community. We care about operating a place where people want to work. All of the core is the same, but how we do that, we weren't tied to it. And I think that letting go is intentional. But what we accept is like, oh, we'll see. <laughs> that's, that's where it's like, all right, well, I guess we'll try that and see if that works. But let's get out there fast and see if it really does work.
0: I love the idea that really, again, it comes back to you had the right people on the team. And so as you went through these changes, they were still there for you. The essence of what King is was still there and that everyone was on board with that change.
1: Yes, absolutely. And you can't, I don't think that could have happened without a foundation of trust and support and feeling like people all had a place and knew what their role was and knew where they could contribute. All of that. That's a lot of, I think when we talk about people feeling disconnected in the workplace today, those are the issues that they're really grappling with is you can't build that company culture overnight. That's not going to be there when the whole world shifts and you have to figure out what's next. That's a very day-by-day intentional process of banking credits with your team and people, and then you can draw from it. And it's hard to see it and it's hard to describe it. And I also think it looks really different for different companies. I think that different companies have different cultures. And that is fine. And hopefully you attract the people that best resonate with your company culture. So I think the important part is just to be really transparent about who you are and what your values are. And people will find themselves, not everyone that has applied or been at Kingmakers is the best fit for that type of culture that we're talking about, of being really independent, being really innovative, taking ownership, That's not everyone's best place to work. You talked about trust
0: and building a culture takes time. I was listening to a Brene Brown presentation and she talked about marble jar friends. And I love this concept because she was having this discussion about with her daughter, something happened in school, but in school they had a marble jar. And when kids were doing great, they got a marble. When the marble jar gets full, they would get a gift or something. Yep. So she asked her daughter if she had any marble jar friends and her daughter starts talking about these friends. And there were very little things that these friends did that made her say, these are my friends for life. And so Brene Brown goes back and starts doing research. And sure enough, she realizes trust is built by these little moments, step by step. You put them in a jar, like you said, there's a jar that you can pull from as you need it. But it is these little moments. And I think if we remember that as leaders, is that every moment counts? It's not the big grand gestures, It's really how do you act day by day, moment by moment, that builds that trust.
1: No, it's so true. In the beginning when we started, I'd come home and I'd tell my boyfriend at the time, husband now, but I'd say something like, Oh, I said this and I'm stewing on it and I'm thinking about it and I'm saying, like, oh man, I hope they don't quit or I hope they don't think, you know, I hope they're here tomorrow. Like I just hope I didn't say something. And this is where I really got that idea was from him. And he would say, well, I think you built up trust and a relationship and a rapport with that person. They're not going to storm off and run off because you said something. There's a whole history of that relationship. And so people remember, they remember those good moments as well. And the times you made them feel good or supported or whatever. So if you said something in a slightly off tone that you didn't mean to or you had a bad day, that's not what makes people leave a company or quit their job, or it's usually those little moments that are so hard to pinpoint. Some people call it microaggressions. It's all those things that are done over time that sort of add up to either make you feel really supported and you belong there or to feel like that's not really a place where you fit or you're seen or that your values are in alignment with the company. So
0: as you think about your time with Kingmakers and excluding the pandemic, What are some of the other challenges that you faced as you were getting started or as you were up and running?
1: Yeah, that's what I mean, so many and they have changed significantly now since our whole business model has changed. So in the beginning, when we were brick and mortar, there were real challenges around a physical space and a physical location, what that meant. And so even existing in neighborhoods that were undergoing construction or development or changing or politics or all of that is like, we were a part of that. But now that we're in a totally service based model existing with an entirely remote team distributed ourselves all over the country, I think that the challenges have just shifted. And so we are now a sales driven company, we're a client relationship driven company, that has been a new area of learning for me, like we didn't exist in that way, we sort of our nighttime business fed our daytime business, we had a brand and a name, and we were just about to really take a more proactive approach to our sales and clients client success with our team bonding, but really it happened organically and it worked in a symbiotic relationship with our other nighttime public facing business. So that was really different. And then to be thrown into, we really have to build up that pipeline, that funnel ourselves. So I would say that one huge opportunity for us is in marketing and that top of funnel development is just really challenging. How do you do that when you're small and you don't have a lot of money to invest in either brand building, social media, media, PR, press, all of those things that get the word out there, that's a real opportunity for us. And I think the other one that is really interesting when you're talking about company culture today, so much of it is about measuring that and data and tracking change over time. That as a small business, It is really hard to have the data and analytics tools to prove that you are doing great work. So I think a lot of small businesses across the board, it's just really hard to know how to write a survey that's accurate, how to analyze that data, how to take that back and present it to a client to really prove that you're doing a good job. I mean, Those are competencies that are usually built out with huge teams at companies to have that technology and the data scientists and the databases and the measurement and the analytics And so those are two real big challenges for us. We know, I mean, we offer a feedback form, we analyze our own data, obviously, and we know because we have a lot of repeat clients that we are having positive impact. But I think putting that into a measurable data set is challenging for a small business without the capacity or the capabilities to sort of know that art and that science.
0: Yeah, I think that's one that a lot of organizations face, small and large. Yes. Because I think small is a lack of being able to capture the data and do the analytics in the way yeah. that you would like. I think for large businesses, there's so much data. Like, yes. what do you do, right? I know if you move the needle here that it doesn't cause a problem somewhere else. And so absolutely. I think it's absolutely the challenge being able to interpret the data and make it become information that you can actually use.
1: Yeah. yep. So. yep. I think so. That's so true. Yes. Everyone wants measurable results and wants to see that. And so I think you're absolutely right. The challenges are there for small and big organizations and how to make that happen for clients and for folks that are asking.
0: <laughs> and then we're also dealing with people, right? People aren't measurable. like so,
1: You know, Very true. It's very true. Yes. I think that is something that is so like the feeling of how you feel and how something made you feel and our experience made you feel or a workplace makes you feel is very challenging sometimes to put into numbers. Yes.
0: (laughs) And then people act differently than their feelings would dictate. We're humans, we're variable.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So there's still power dynamics present at work and all of that. And people ultimately want to keep their jobs. And there's a lot at play that affects how valuable or insightful those results can actually be.
0: Exactly. And what results are actually communicated.
1: Yeah.
0: I think a lot of, I'm going to say, particularly with large organizations, I think the challenge is that assessment, that truth lens, right? Can we actually expose what is right now? What is happening right now? What is the current state so that we can actually improve and get better? So no one wants to show the dirty laundry. they, They want to be like, oh, we're
1: improving. And I think one thing we see too, Nikki, is a lot of companies are paying an arm and a leg right now for those engagement metrics, tools, like they want the analysis done. But I think maybe one of the most harmful things, especially when we're in a moment like this, where everything is in transition and we don't really know because we're in it right now, it's hard to have that perspective of what truly shifted, where this will all land. I think it's actually more hurtful for companies to be doing all this analysis, but then not Acting on it, like you said. So, not saying this is our top priority. We can't do everything, right? We heard you, we see it, we understand it, we acknowledge it. Here is when we're going to get to this point, this point, this point. But right now, we're going to focus on this priority. I mean, I think the worst thing that you can do as a leader, as a parent, as anything is like ask for input and then then do nothing, (laughs) and then do nothing or do it your way, anyways. so <laughs> I think that's a lot of what's floating out there right now As people are saying, yeah, we're telling you that we're feeling a lot of feelings, but then nothing is really fundamentally changing or maybe changing fast enough. And I think all people want to know is that they're being heard, that their voice matters that there is some action plan somebody is responsible for taking in the feedback and listening and trying to make again not the vast thing but those daily improvements those small things that make work and life better for folks
0: yeah definitely there's always going to be work for you and i out here in this (laughs) 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 yes (laughs) so what would you say is one of your greatest accomplishments that you're most proud of with Kingmakers?
1: That's a great question. So let's see. I truly do feel that how we handled March, April, May, June, because there was a lot going on. It was the pandemic, but then it led into the conversations on race in our society and the George Floyd murder and all. So there was a lot going on that was all compounded. It's all related and it's all interconnected. And there's, it's all a big web of things that we are grappling with. So I do think for our small little itty bitty Kingmakers vote, to have navigated those times and been true to who we are and to say, even though we're small, we're going to be honest and open and say what we want to say. That's awesome. I don't think we have a huge megaphone or a huge platform, but we had some folks that care about what we do and listen to what we do. And I think we were vocal and honest and upfront. And I think that was a very emotional time for our team. And I'm proud of how we navigated those core few months in 2020 and how we stayed true to who we are and supporting each other and places Mm -hmm. that we live and work. I think that's great. And
0: as I was working with a client earlier today, and we started talking about planting seeds. While you might not have a megaphone, you do have a platform. I think what we can do is plant seeds. And I feel like that's what you're doing. By having those conversations with your staff, by navigating that time with your staff, and then how you show up for clients, because I feel like you're modeling behavior that you want your clients to have. I think that's all planting seeds, right? We might not see that big giant oak tree right now, but we're planting the seeds for that to come.
1: Yep. I love that. Yeah. Thanks for that. That's great. (laughs) We talked before about your water
0: framework. So I'd love for you to share that with the audience, not only how you operate within your team, but some of the ways that you guide your clients as well.
1: Yeah, it's a fun framework. So water is the framework that we use. And it is sort of an essential framework. We call it that because it's the essential components to what makes a team have some of those positive attributes to that positive team culture that we talk about. And these are the reasons that people and clients come to us. So when they're coming to us to book a team bonding, and to develop that team culture, they're looking to do so for the five reasons, right? So (laughs) the first one is woo, and that is showcasing your company culture. So it can be from employees to an internship cohort, or maybe a leadership rotational program, or you want somebody on your board, or anytime that you're kind of showcasing who you are to a group that is external, it's a stakeholder group. So it can be employees, but it can be broader than that in your broader stakeholder network. That's one reason why companies use our service to allow people to connect in that setting. The A is appreciation, so celebration. So a lot of times companies are looking to celebrate a personal or professional milestone. So whether it's baby shower, you know, something personal that someone's having, experiencing, or like you completed a set, a quarterly goal or an annual goal, or that's one reason that companies are coming to us. The T is trust, which is honestly the most, the biggest reason why companies come to us, which is getting to know one another, gaining familiarity and getting to know people in that way so they can have those conversations, those moments, those memories that allow people to build relationships, build human to human connection with people so they can get to know each other a bit outside of work so that you can maybe share a joke or share a memory or share something that you learned about someone that builds that camaraderie, builds that trust so that when you're back in a project or your head's down or you're, you know something is not going right for you, that can be a really useful memory or you know, moment to recall with people that you're working with. The E is energized, so that's take a break. That's another big reason why some people just want to have fun. They want to just allow their team a chance to disengage from work, to just let their hair down, to laugh. Who doesn't love to play a board game? It brings out all sorts of sides of people <laughs> that you may not encounter in your day-to-day. It may be that during your work day, you just don't have that type of opportunity to get to know your colleagues in that way. So that's the E. The R is repair. So that's actually one that we use to talk about strengthening workplace dynamics. So typically, it's in situations where clients are coming to us because there's some sort of disconnect. So we always tell clients, don't come, you know, the best version of this is to come to us for all those other reasons. When you're in a healthy, productive, you're sort of being proactive versus reactionary. And the repair is the reactionary moment. So something has happened either in your team, maybe sometimes it's led by mergers, acquisitions, turmoil, just a client, maybe it's a client engagement that didn't kick off on the right foot or start off with the right tone. So you're trying to address some sort of tear in that trust. So that's what repair is. And we're very mindful in those situations, the way that we facilitate and the way that we play, and especially that the buy-in that we have to sort of build up before people can let their guard down and get to some of those other goals. But that is another distinct reason why clients engage with our service. So all those reasons, if you think about them as a whole, that's the core of how you make a team work together. All those elements are really necessary. and so. That's the way that we think about the client goals when they're engaging with us.
0: I love that. So just to recap, woo, appreciation, trust, energize, and repair. I like that you put repair last, not only because you said that's the outlier, right? But I think if you have an environment where you cultivate the right to repair, right? Where you earn the right to repair, because not everything can be repaired. So I think- Often people think like, oh, everything's great and everything's wonderful, so we never have to repair. But that's not really true. I think you have to earn the right to repair and you have to be willing to repair. So I think it is an important one to include.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. And also thinking back to some of the things we just discussed, you can't expect that booking a game with us is going to be the end all be all of that, right? There's work that has to be done across so many different levels across so many different people and touch points and all these things. And it's the whole of that. But I think when team leaders come to us acknowledging that, hey, let's take a step back from all this, people are feeling really mistrustful right now, let's step back into an environment where We can build some of that up just through play, to have a good time, to enjoy each other's company, to talk about things other than work, to share memories and moments other than that, and share things about themselves, or even just share the way they think about something. So a lot of the games that we play, and these are actual board games, right? Nikki? we talked about that. They're not activities that we've made up. These are actual tried and tested board games. These are the games that we led our in-person team bondings with, and we've adapted them to the virtual space. But The board games are meant to encourage people to use their brains a bit differently, right? Approach a problem or think about something differently. And that's sort of the nice thing about an experience like ours too, is that usually it's different for people. And so everyone is in that same boat of experiencing something new together. And then you have the facilitator present the whole time. So that's eliminating a lot of that awkwardness and all those things that people are typically used to with Zoom meetings right now and sort of what's next? Who's talking? Whose turn is it? Do we need to have our video on for us? We always encourage people to have their video on because that's part of it. That facilitator is really there to take in the group dynamics and the energy and really keep everyone in acknowledge individuals, but keep them moving towards the group goal and those goals that we outlined earlier through that framework. Great. What are your two favorite board games? (laughs) There's so many, I think we talked about one over just briefly Hive, which is so fun, which is like a little version of chess because we were talking about our kids maybe enjoying that. It's chess, but with sort of insects as the pieces and their movements. But over the holidays, we played Code Names again with my, I don't know if you, have you played that? Not it's a fun game. Also one of those ones that's a little brain twistery in terms of how you think about things and just watching how other people think about things. So there's code names and multiple themes now, but the original one is words. And then the next one was pictures. And now it's in Disney and Marvel, a lot of other iterations, but it's always a fun one. And we play that through different generations in my family, different life experiences in my family. It's an interesting game because it just brings up how people sort of think about words and pictures and what they relate them to. And then we're playing a really fun game right now called When I Dream with our teams. And so that is a really fun new game that it brings out creativity. It brings out visuals. I love a board game that has beautiful visuals and theme and artwork and I think that's all part of it is sort of getting lost in a different space and world, right? And so I think through that game you again get to see your colleagues maybe in a different light and to see some of that creativity and just almost like childlike, just different perspectives on people. Right. So there's some fun ones right now.
0: <laughs> Thanks for sharing. We'll definitely check out code names and when I dream. We've been playing a lot of King Domino. Perfect. Um, yes. Villainous. And yep. we just got okay. <laughs> My son is obsessed with Monopoly. Great,
1: Um, I mean it's a class.
0: (laughs) But the Monopoly I love, we have a Monopoly Empire game, and that one is great. It's a quick game of Monopoly, and it's actually fun. So Monopoly is not my personal favorite. Your son might brings out the competitive nature.
1: (laughs) Yes, must monopolize everything, which. It's like, guess the point, right? <laughs> it's the point.
0: And also, like, it's high stress,
1: right? Like, yeah, it's high stress. Yes. I haven't played the Empire version, so that's great to know. It's a really great uh, version.
0: I love it. You can like brands. It's
1: really great. It's yeah. A great game. Yeah. I don't know how we would ever adopt this one to virtual. Maybe someday we could figure this out. But Seven Wonders is a wonderful game. And your son oh. might engage where he can appreciate the theme and the history and also just like the resource management. It's a fairly layered and complex game. But if you played it a few times, you'd sort of pick up the gist of it and the cadence of it. Yeah.
0: So two questions I always ask every guest. So the first one is what are one or two songs that are on your power playlist and why? <laughs>
1: I have two daughters, three and a half and five and a half, and introducing them to Billy Joel, right? So they've been listening to a lot of We Didn't Start the Fire. It's really fun to hear a three-year-old try to recite We Didn't Start the Fire. That's awesome. And Piano Man. Also, people are like, are they saying that? <laughs> they are saying that. And then Tracy Chapman's Fast Car is my all-time favorite. It always puts me in a go get we are we're-going-to-make-it, we're-here-for-it <laughs> We're mood. But we did listen to Adele's Live show with Oprah over the holidays, so God, just Adele, <laughs> just <laughs> so good <laughs> but that the um rolling in the deep and all of that those so all classics, so
0: great now what is one book that you would recommend that has helped you thrive in business, and it doesn't have to be a business book, but any book that you would recommend
1: yeah, when I think about business books, honestly, I find this so interesting. It was sort of not until these past couple of years that I really thought about this is that so many of them are written from not a woman or minority perspective, which I find I didn't even really realize it or think about it until we were in these conversations over these past couple of years. But I find that to be very jarringly obvious now. But I've always loved the Cliff Bar story. And so there is a business book that the founder of Cliff Bar wrote called Raising the Bar. And a lot of it leads up to just starting something because you care so much about the product. And there's a great How I Built This where Guy Raz is also interviewing him on this. And there's a moment where he's pacing in the lot and saying the biggest, I don't want to ruin the surprise, but he was presented with a pretty hefty acquisition offer. And so just the idea of what it means to build a company like that and how someone could look at that sum of money and choose to really stay true to the mm-hmm. core of why they made that product in the first place is pretty wild. In the moment that that was happening, I think it was probably 20 years ago at this point, but <laughs> it's a great book. <laughs> okay. Definitely that one
0: out. So Malika, how can people find you if they want to learn more about you or Kingmakers and making their organization great?
1: Awesome. Yeah, thanks, Nikki. So we are at kingmakersfun.com. We also have a LinkedIn page. We are active on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And then we have an amazing client success team member named Adilson Graca, who is at this moment fielding a lot of sort of just beginning of year conversations with folks about what their engagement goals are, especially for remote employees and how to think about changing processes and points of connection around that group of employees that are distributed and remote, which at this point, so many organizations have at least a component of their workforce that is that and will actively be that and continue to be that and that workforce will grow. So if you're curious that you don't even have to book anything, if you just want to talk to a and talk about how we've heard other team leaders are managing it, what things they're thinking about, how important it is to just be so intentional and consider that an opportunity, like you have to build that. It's not naturally going to happen, right? To be really intentional about how you incorporate your remote workforce into that environment where they feel connected, have moments to get to know each other, build that trust, energize all of that, right? So you're not stuck on that repair. <laughs> Repair piece down the road.
0: <laughs> great. Well, Malika, it has been a delight talking with you today. So excited to learn even more about the story of Kingmakers and where you all are headed. And I look forward to seeing even more great
1: things for you in the future. I appreciate it, Nikki. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. Bye. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Women Thriving in Business Podcast. If you like this episode, share it with a friend. You can also share your feedback, your insights, your thoughts with us on social media, via Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We'd love to hear from you. Be sure to like, review, and subscribe either on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, so you never miss an episode. Until next week, keep thriving.